Welcome to my weekly Parsha share. This week we will focus on Parsha's Kiseitze. Thank you so much to Sol and Giselle Dunst for sponsoring this week's Parsha share in memory of Sol's father, Joseph Dunst, Yosef David, Ben Yaakov Shlomer, Zichron Lebrocha, whose yard site is on the 14th of Elul. Joseph Dunst was a wonderful man, a Holocaust survivor from Slovakia, a member of our community in Beverly Hills and a dear friend. We miss him. May his neshama have an aliyah, and may we all be zeichet to see trias hamesim. If you take a look at Parshas Kiseitze, right in the middle, there is a series of mitzvahs, of directives, one after the other. It seems like quite a random list, and there appears to be no connection between any of them. Let me go through the mitzvahs with you, and you'll see what I mean. Ki kore kan baderech when you come across a bird's nest in any tree or on the ground, you're just walking on your way somewhere, anywhere, and you see a bird's nest with a mother bird nesting eggs or her little chicks. Don't take the mother together with the children. Send away the mother and then you can take the eggs or the little chicks. You can have them. It's an interesting mitzvah. Actually, I gave a share on it a few years ago. You can find the share on my website. Just do a search for the, this is the title, The Intriguing Mitzvah of Shiluach Hakan. YouTube viewers can see the link on your screen. Just click on the link to hear the share. You'll find out what the Rambam thinks and Ramban. It's a truly fascinating topic. But to come back to where I began, this mitzvah, the mitzvah of Shiluach Hakan, of sending away the mother bird, so that you can take the eggs or the little chicks, is the first in a whole series of mitzvahs in the middle of Parshas Kiseitze. What's the next one? The next mitzvah is this. Kisidne chodosh, When you build a new house, you should make a fence for your roof, so that you will not bring blood guilt onto your house if anyone falls from the roof and dies. An important mitzvah, I'm sure you'll agree. It's important to be responsible, to do everything you can to prevent accidents, not to be negligent. But what has it got to do with Shiluach Hakan? Nothing. So why is it the next mitzvah on the list? Okay, let's look at the mitzvah that comes after the roof fence mitzvah. This translates roughly to, you shall not sow your vineyard with mixed seeds. It refers to the prohibition against planting a non-grape seed, like wheat or barley, together with the grape seed that you plant in the vineyard, which would create possibly a hybrid plant. I think you'll agree it's a fascinating mitzvah. And perhaps one day I'll give a shear on Kilayim. But for the purposes of this shear, I think you'll also agree that it has nothing to do with building a fence around your roof, nor has it got anything to do with sending the mother bird away from the nest. So why is it on this list? What's going on? Now let's look at the next mitzvah on the list. You shall not plough with an ox and a donkey together. Another important mitzvah. In ancient times, when there weren't tractors and machines to do farm work, they needed to use animals to do the work, as they had dozens or maybe hundreds of acres of land to work on to produce crops. Each animal they, they, they used that they owned had different strengths and different weaknesses, and 
there might be a farmer who wants to use an ox and a donkey together so that he can get the best out of both of them. So the Torah instructs us that this is not allowed. Maybe because it is distressing to the animals or maybe for some other reason. Whatever it is, mixing animals to plough your field is forbidden. Again, an interesting and important mitzvah. But what has it got to do with planting hybrid plants in a vineyard or with building a fence around your roof or with sending the mother bird away from its nest? It doesn't seem to be connected in any way whatsoever. So what's it doing on this list? It's crazy, right? I'm not finished yet. Let's look at the next mitzvah. This means you shall not wear a mixture of wool and linen together. And it refers to the prohibition of wearing clothes that are made from a blend of wool and linen, which is known as shatnas in Hebrew. So, you know what I'm going to say. Shatnas is an interesting mitzvah. It's important. Of course it's important. But why is it on this list? What has it got to do with using an ox and a donkey, or with planting a hybrid plants in a vineyard, or with building a fence around your roof, or with sending the mother bird away from its nest? Let's turn to Rashi. He provides us with an answer of sorts. It's actually a, a beautiful Rashi, based on a mission in Ovas and a passage in Medrash Tanchuma. Here is what Rashi says. Im mitzvah if you do the mitzvah of sending the mother away from the nest, you know what? You'll end up building a new house. And as a result, you'll do the mitzvah of building a fence around the roof. One mitzvah leads to another. And, continues Rashi, that's not all. You'll also end up having your own vineyard the Sodeh, and your own farm, and beautiful, luxurious clothes. That's why these mitzvahs are all together in the same passage, on the same list. That's what Rashi says. The Torah listed all of these mitzvahs next to each other to teach us that if you do one mitzvah, doing that mitzvah will automatically lead to a second mitzvah, and a third mitzvah, and a fourth mitzvah, until infinity. The Torah wants us to know that someone who fulfills the mitzvah of sending away the mother bird will soon build a house, their own house, which will, will then lead them to owning a vineyard and a farm and also nice clothing so that they can fulfill the mitzvahs relating to all of those things. But there is a deep theological question that emerges from this suggestion. It's a very serious question. If sending away a mother bird leads to all of these benefits, to be perfectly frank, it sounds like the opposite of the principle that doing mitzvahs do not bring any kind of reward in this world. Rashi sounds like he's saying, that he's telling us, that sending away the mother bird will result in a life of great wealth. Really? Okay, so I have a good idea. If you're having a bit of a hard time with your financial affairs, take a visit to the countryside, find a bird's nest, shoo away the mother bird, take the chicks or the eggs, and hey presto, you'll soon be building your dream house and owning a vineyard. Maybe the vineyard will be in California and we'll be neighbours. And you'll also have the latest clothes bought in the fanciest haute couture stores on Rodeo Drive. Yeah, yeah, of course, 
you'll do all the associated mitzvahs. Now, that goes without saying. Mitzvah gereres mitzvah. But I mean, that's a minor detail, right? It's the best get-rich-quick scheme I've ever heard of. Really? How can that be true? How is it possible that this is what Rashi is saying? It makes no sense. Novelio Eliezer Desla has an answer, and I'll get to it in a moment. First, let me tell you a little bit about Rav Desla. He was an esteemed 20th century rabbi, philosopher, and a spiritual mentor. He was related and studied under a prestigious range of rabbinic luminaries, including the altar of Kelm, of Simcha Zissel Ziv, and his uncle, Rav Chaim Ozek of Vilna. Rav Desla's main work, Michtav Meliohu, is a collection of his essays and letters, correspondence, delving deep into Jewish thought, ethics, and mysticism, Kabbalah. He spent the early part of his career in England, in London and Gateshead, but he eventually settled in Eretz Yisrael, in Israel, where he was the mashgiach of the Panovish Yeshiva in Bnei Brak. Rav Desla stood out from many of his contemporaries, and he continues to be very unique for several reasons. While many of the rabbis of his time were very focused on Talmudic study, Rav Desla, besides for being a Talmud Chochem in Gemara and Halacha, also delved deeply into Jewish philosophy and mysticism. His writings, particularly in Michtav Meliohu, synthesize profound concepts from both Talmudic and Kabbalistic sources. Rav Desla also placed significant emphasis on personal development and ethical behavior, but in a very unique way, not the traditional Musa way. He believed in the transformative power of love and giving, presenting the idea that humans are not born to take, but rather to give, which was a fresh perspective in the realm of Jewish thought. What stands out about Rav Desla is that he was open to the integration of secular knowledge into character building in particular, especially in the realm of psychology. This makes his insights relevant to modern challenges and accessible to a broader audience. Now, in relation to our question that I mentioned a few moments ago about the Rashi on Mitzvah Guerreras Mitzvah, Rav Desler notes that even the smallest of mitzvahs cannot ever generate an adequate reward in this physical world, and therefore to receive an adequate reward in a material sense is simply impossible. However, when God sees someone performing a mitzvah, he is so happy to see that the person wants to do a mitzvah that he soon presents him with the opportunity of performing other mitzvahs. But this shouldn't be seen as payment for his mitzvahs, but rather that Hashem does it in order for that person to get more reward, not in this world, but in the next. Just imagine someone is employed by a prestigious corporation and he or she is tasked with attracting elite clientele. To do that properly will definitely necessitate treating these potential clients to luxurious dinners and other perks. It could seem that the employee is personally benefiting from these lavish dinners. And who knows what else? But the truth is, they are only a means to an end. These expenditures are merely tools to ensure that the employee is going to be successful in securing these clients for the business. Once they're on board, the resulting benefit is much more than the cost of a few dinners. The employer knows this. 
and willingly foot the bill. And if the employee demonstrates consistent success, of course the employer will allocate a larger budget for these client expenditures. The rationale here is clear. These costs aren't deductions from the employee's salary or commission. Instead, they are viewed as strategic business investments aimed at fostering greater success and increased client relationships going forward into the future. The situation with God and us is exactly the same. We all know that our role in this world is to acquire the merits so that we can enjoy being close to Hashem's presence in the world to come, in Olam Abba. How do we do that? By doing more and more mitzvahs. And there is nothing that God wants more than for us to succeed in this quest. And so, He is always ready and willing to increase the budget more and more the more mitzvahs we do and provide us with ever greater opportunities to gain more merits. And these expenses aren't deductions from our salary or commission. On the contrary, they are viewed as strategic business investments by God, aimed at fostering greater success for us and increased opportunity to gain the highest place possible in Olam Haba in the world to come. But it's really up to us. If we don't view our possessions as a means of pleasure in this world, but rather as a vehicle to gain further merits in the next world, then God will continue to provide those means for us to come closer and closer and closer to Him. And He will facilitate our growth because that is the ultimate goal of our existence. I want to end my share with two very moving stories. The first is about Rav Yitzhak Hutner, who, or at least that's is who I heard the story about. Rav Hutner was a Talmud of Slabotka who became the Rosh Hashiva of the Rav Chaim Berlin Yeshiva in New York. One time on a flight, a non-religious Jewish businessman noticed Rav Hutner struggling to put his luggage in the overhead bin. He didn't know who Rav Hutner was. How would he? He was completely unconnected to him or to the Jewish world, but he wanted to help the rabbi. And he could see that the rabbi was having a hard time. So he offered to help Rav Hutner with his luggage and he put the case in the overhead bin. Rav Hutner thanked him and, and as it turned out, they were sitting next to each other on the plane. So, for the next however many hours, Rav Hutner and this irreligious man were deep in conversation. And although the man was completely non-observant, he was deeply moved by the rabbi's wisdom. At one point, before the flight was over, Rav Hutner took out a piece of paper and began writing a note. Once he had finished, he folded the note, sealed it into an envelope and handed it to his flight companion, instructing him to open it only if he ever found himself in a life-threatening situation. Once the plane had landed, they said goodbye to each other and headed off in separate directions. Many, many years later, the man was on another flight, this time headed to California. Suddenly, the plane experienced severe turbulence. Oxygen masks dropped down and passengers on the plane began to panic. The man remembered Rav Hutner's envelope. He always carried it with him and he had it in his pocket. He took it out and with shaky hands, he opened it up. The note read, The Almighty will surely help Yitzhak Hutner. Unbelievable. The man became completely calm and for the first time in his life he began to pray to God. Miraculously, the plane stabilized 
and they soon landed safely in LAX. A few days later, the man returned to New York and he decided to study more about Judaism and its teachings. This event and the note from Rav Hutner were pivotal in changing the trajectory of his life. He became involved in Jewish community projects and in philanthropy. He was a wealthy man. And most importantly, he became a Shoma Torah Mitzvah, fully observant. And not just him, his children, influenced by the changes they saw in their father, also became more involved in Jewish learning and mitzvahs. They attended yeshivas and seminaries. And you know why? One tiny mitzvah, helping an old rabbi with his luggage, which led to a conversation, which led to the note. That little mitzvah set off a train of events, and the results were life-changing. And now for the second story. It is truly inspirational. It's about of Arya Levine, the tzaddik of Yerushalayim, who was renowned, renowned for his acts of kindness. One day, during Israel's War of Independence in 1948, a woman came to see Rebarie. She was in distress because her son was a soldier on the front lines and she hadn't heard from him for many days, maybe weeks. The mother feared the worst, as every mother would. Rebarie Levine heard her out and offered to visit the military office that dealt with casualties, as he often did, to inquire about her son. As Rebarie was walking towards the military HQ, he noticed a young man with tattered, torn shoes. Without hesitation, Rebarie Levine offered his own shoes to the young man, feeling that it was a mitzvah he couldn't pass up. Despite the pressing nature of his errand, and he did it, the young man initially refused to take the shoes, but seeing that the rabbi was very sincere, he eventually accepted the shoes. Rebarie took off his shoes, gave them to the young man, and he continued on his journey just wearing socks. When he reached the army office, he waited patiently for his turn. And I don't need to tell you, in the middle of a war, with all the emergencies that were going on, a little old rabbi sitting patiently in the reception area was hardly a priority. But then, suddenly, an officer noticed that Rebarie had no shoes on. He thought, that's a bit strange. I wonder what's going on. He approached him in astonishment and he asked him why he had no shoes on. Rebarie simply replied that someone else had needed them more than he did. He told him the story and he, he told him he'd given them away to this young man. The officer was deeply moved by this act and he decided to expedite Rebarie's turn in the line. Within minutes, Rebarie had the information he was seeking. The woman's son was alive and well. He quickly relayed the good news to the anxious mother, alleviating her fears. The story of Rab Arya Levine's selfless act spread, inspiring countless others in Jerusalem to do acts of kindness and charity in the understanding that sometimes the simplest of gestures, the smallest mitzvah, can have the most profound impact and the ultimate result is so much more than the little thing that started it all off. In this case, the ripple effect was immense. From comforting an anxious mother, to giving away his shoes, to inspiring others with his selflessness, Rab Arya Levine showcased how one mitzvah can seamlessly lead to another and another and another until infinity. Mitzvah goireres mitzvah. It's such an important lesson. Let's hope we never forget it. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Thank you.